Welcome to the Carecast. Well, hi everyone, and welcome to uh, another Carecast. We're continuing uh, our new normal series, and in light of the uh, new developments and the so-called breakthrough vaccine breakthrough in relation to coronavirus, uh, we thought it'd be really good to just do a shorter podcast responding directly uh, to this developing story. And to help me do that, I'm delighted to be joined by a regular guest on our new normal series, Mr. Matt James. Matt, how are you? I'm very well, thanks, James. Good to see you. Right. So here we have it reported yesterday, the first effective coronavirus vaccine can prevent more than 90% of people from getting COVID-19, according to a preliminary analysis and its developers uh, Pfizer and BioNTech described it as a great day for science and humanity. Matt, what was your first reaction when you caught this story that broke yesterday? Uh, My initial reaction was um, cautious optimism and I think it remains so. It's uh, obviously a, a great story to have after a year that probably many of us, if not all of us, would rather like to forget. Uh, It is encouraging, uh, but I think there are still, uh, to quote the Prime Minister, some hurdles to clear, and they are quite significant hurdles. So cautious optimism. It's, um, well, another way of describing it to a couple of friends recently, it's not the Christmas present that you've always wanted, but perhaps it's the gift card from a distant relation charged with £5,000 to spend next year. And it will only be until next year for you to really determine whether it has actually got £5,000 on to spend. So it's a kind of an early gift that is offering some promise and some hope for the future. So it's it's like um, delayed gratification. Indeed. Um, yes. Yeah, we get the short burst of optimism now and then we have to sit tight for about four or five more months. And then suddenly there may be something else that's positive and great to enjoy next year. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so cautious optimism. Obviously, um, as you said, people have had a really rough 2020 for a variety of reasons, not least of which uh, the coronavirus, national lockdown, uh, 1.0, now 2.0 in England, and just restrictions on the way that we live our lives. And so do you think that do you think there is a real danger that people could get ahead of themselves uh, because we've been starved of good news in 2020 and we could latch onto this and form slightly uh, over-optimistic conclusions? I think there's a possibility of that. There's a risk of that. Uh, let's, and I'm really kind of keen to highlight this is encouraging news. But as the news reports were saying yesterday, it's uh, an early stage uh, of, of results. So it's um, in the early stages and almost uh, indicative findings of what they've found through through this particular trial and through this particular vaccine. And so to have got to the stage of 90% effectiveness, I've heard US officials say they would be kind of targeting for uh, 50% effectiveness and using that as a a good uh, marker so to be at 90 at these early stages it's looking promising but let's not think we're going to have this done by Christmas or even that it's going to solve all of our problems it could be a a part of the package uh, of seeing us out of this pandemic so um, yeah uh, let's keep perspective at at this time I think is, is key. Um, now, this this particular vaccine uh, has been tested apparently on 43,500 people in six different countries, the US, for example, countries in South America, and no safety concerns have been raised. And it has been tested, according to the developers, on uh, people from a variety of, of ethnic backgrounds, which is 
uh, importance, uh, given the fact that coronavirus has seemed to have a disproportionately bad effect on people from ethnic minority groups. Now, um, I wonder if you could just briefly talk to why is it so remarkable that, you know, from when the pandemic really got a hold in the UK in March uh, this year, here we are nine months later and we're talking about a possible vaccine breakthrough. Why is that so remarkable? I think literally because of the time and um, energy that it takes to develop vaccines normally. Um, it, it's, it's a very delicate art. There's a lot, a lot of trial and error, uh, to, to use a popular phrase. So the amount of time and energy that has been uh, invested in developing a vaccine, understandably, because it's such a global uh, problem, uh, has been uh, remarkable. And that would probably have been a, a fairly clear to see uh, without this uh, announcement yesterday. But clearly, yesterday's news uh, symbolises just how much effort has been put into behind the scenes, uh, or not necessarily behind the scenes, not so uh, prevalent in, in public view, uh, what's been going on uh, in labs trying to find uh, this uh, vaccine for us to be able to find some way out of this pandemic. So that is the, um, that's, that's kind of the wow factor that's associated with all this. Uh, but I, I, I'll quickly come back to the fact these are, uh, because of the nature of the pandemic that we're, we're working through, we're living in, I think probably wanting to release some early findings, early data has been a, a key priority for those developing the vaccine, but also governments. So not in, in any other case, uh, the data wouldn't have been released as early as this. So again, that's something to bear in mind. I found myself yesterday, uh, I, I'm an optimistic person by nature, I'm genuinely excited in relation to coronavirus and, and the pandemic in respect to potentially seeing it come to an end. Um, for the first time in, in, in months, and I suspect tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of people uh, around the world sort of felt the same. Um, for those of us who want to follow this story, what's the next stage that we could be looking out for that may give us further clues as to whether we've got the breakthrough vaccine or not? I think in the next couple of weeks, they've been predicting or uh, been at least indicating that some further uh, data will be released, uh, longer term uh, study data for then uh, authorities like the medicine and health regulator to be able to make a, a decision on terms of the safety. And that I think is going to be a significant uh, step for us because that will put into context a little bit more about how effective uh, the vaccine is and also begin to perhaps shed some light onto a, a really important issue about just how much immunity this vaccine will give us, whether it's going to be a case of one or two, I think, jabs it's uh, in within a short, a short period of time, I think is what they're predicting will need to happen. Is that going to give us lasting immunity that will be forever? Or are we going to have to look at uh, considering kind of an annual jab, annual kind of... Um, um, I can't remember the phrase that's being used, but an annual jab that kind of boosts a booster jab uh, that happens every year. Is that going to be a, a reality? Just how is it going to work out the practicality? So, again, great early findings, uh, cautious optimism, but we need a little more detail about just what it uh, what it um, what it promises to do in reality. And I think the other thing to, to bear in mind is those people that it's been tested in, which is great. It's great to see that data. They will probably have been fairly mild cases. 
So what will this vaccine really help those that are unfortunately do have it or have got severe cases? How much of an impact is it going to make? There's, it's great news. It's a great significant first step, but there's still some unknowns that still need to be uh, answered as we move forward. And could you foresee a situation where uh, a number of countries around the world um, do choose this vaccine and say we approve it and other countries reject it because it doesn't meet perhaps they have more strident uh, regulatory controls in place. Is that possible? Sure, it's a good question. And I think there could still be a possibility because we still don't know all that information to make that judgment. So it could be a, a possible scenario down the line that that could be the case. Uh, and that also, I think, highlights another important issue about access and manufacturing and development of a vaccine. Uh, and the phrase we're all in this together is rather well used. But on this particular point, I think we are definitely in this together. We can't afford to have a developing world versus a developed world response. Uh, we need to have, if, we, if there's a vaccine that uh, works, that is, uh, uh, provides uh, suitable protection against the coronavirus or COVID-19, we, we need to ensure that the whole world gets access to that because just having certain parts of the world that are immune or have uh, that immunity and other parts that don't just will, won't work. We, we want to re regain some degree of normality when it comes to traveling. So as we move around, uh, we're going to be uh, exposing ourselves to the virus again if certain parts of the world don't have that immunity. So we're almost on a treadmill of, of almost a yearly or, or biannual or however frequently you want to, uh, to name it, to call it, that we're going to have this virus keep on coming back to us. So if we really got a vaccine that works, it needs to be available to all of the world to be able to really put this thing to bed. Of course, I, that flows from a, a kind of a Christian principle of the fact that we're all, uh, no matter sure. whether we're from a developed country or developing country, we're all image bearers of God and have equal equal value. Because it is one of the things that struck me is that it's fine. You know, they talk about they have to keep this vaccine uh, at minus 80 degrees and they sure. have to, you know, there's two vaccinations that you'll need over a three week period and protection comes 28 days later and that has implications I suppose for jobs and so on and so forth and just work-life balance work for all that kind of stuff and it's fine in a country where there's infrastructure and guaranteed electricity but I was thinking of some countries uh, where that is not guaranteed and how are they going to guarantee keeping it cold enough and absolutely do you think that we could get to a situation where in the developed world we have to as an act of selflessness uh, break the habit of the last century or centuries and choose to not take the virus, uh, not take the vaccine, sorry, in order that it can first be applied robustly all across the nations of the world that don't have the National Health Service, don't have the infrastructure and don't have um, and, and have, you know, spiraling cases with numbers the likes of which we've never seen here, even in peak of the first wave. Sure. I think there could well be a case like that. And I think that that's another almost another um, layer of how the coronavirus, how COVID-19 is challenging many of our uh, preconceived ideas, our value base, our, our, our worldview on many different issues. Uh, we've seen it not only in this country, haven't we, a greater sense of community of looking out for one another, the church arising and really engaging in community related issues and, and responding to those challenges. This level of in terms of a new vaccine and uh, fairness and justice and distribution of it, I think 
think really will challenge us again as more of a perhaps as a nation and nations just how do we apply that how do we use what we have available to us uh, perhaps putting others first for the uh, other countries that aren't able as you say to have that infrastructure immediately in place to ensure that all of humanity uh, is protected in this way one of the one of the things that we've talked before about on the carecast and in particular in this new normal series is the the different responses uh, from within the Christian constituency when they hear the word vaccine. Um, I wonder if you could just articulate for uh, the benefits of our listeners and, and those watching on YouTube, um, you know, what, what those concerns generally seem to be. And then if someone is listening or watching to this and they, they, they feel those concerns, um, what what you would say to them as they think about what they might do next? Sure, I think uh, various concerns, many concerns that those uh, that those people that um, are rather cautious around vaccination, uh, many concerns that they have. I think many times it's a case of wanting to exercise uh, their autonomy and not to be kind of dictated to by uh, health professionals and a health service that, that they know what's right for, for them. Uh, and also there are the ethical consequences and implications with regard to how vaccines have been created, uh, whether they create more harm than good, uh, the, uh, side effects, and in some searching situ situations and cases, uh, more than just side effects, quite major uh, impact on people's lives as a result of a vaccination supposedly to help them feel better and uh, to develop immunity uh, uh, against a certain uh, disease, a certain condition. So, um, and, and, I could, and I could go on, but, the, but there, there are some of the kind of key concerns I think people have around vaccination. In this time, in this season where we've got the coronavirus and a vaccine beginning to emerge that could possibly provide some immunity, I think it is an interesting question to consider whether this should be compulsory. And I would be, um, I think I would, I think, and this is one of the situations, questions that I'm working through myself, I think I would be happy to have a vaccine, but in um, relation to others who may be more cautious, I do think they should um, seriously consider their response. And if they feel strongly that they do not want to uh, pursue a vaccination and, and, have, and be vaccinated, then they should have the right to be able to consciously object. Now, I think that therefore then comes with added responsibility because we do want to minimize the spread of this uh, virus. So whether they would then need to enter into a, a particular season of self-isolation or some other uh, precautions uh, that they need to take if they're not going to uh, pursue uh, the vaccination, uh, that may well be something that they have to take on board as a result of that decision. But I think compulsory vaccination presents some interesting ethical qu uh, questions with regard to consent and autonomy. And so at this time, in the, by the time that my processing of the situation, uh, I would be keen to at least explore that opportunity of people being able to consciously object and not uh, be vaccinated. It's interesting that the, the health secretary, Matt Hancock, said, I think it was today uh, when we're recording this, this care cast, and, and certainly if you're listening or watching a couple of days ago, the health secretary said that there were no plans to, to make the vaccine or any vaccine compulsory. As someone who has, has worked in and around politics for, for six years or so, I know that that, that it should be taken with them. Um, with a pinch of salt, as it were, um, sure. it's entirely possible that will change. 
um, over time. And I, I wonder if it, just on this point about conscientious objection and so on, what, what just broad brush, what are some of the, for someone listening who doesn't have an opinion, is working through um, how to respond to this, just a couple of Christian principles, um, Matt, that, that, that we should be thinking about and, and applying to the question of should I or should I not have this vaccine if it proves successful? And, and you know, I'm, I'm thinking about people that I know, relatives, for example, um, where I might want them to just to make absolutely sure that, that I can go and see them safely and they can, you know, but they might not want to. Um, what are some of the Christian principles, just as we draw this to a close, that people need to be applying? I think, firstly, the key thing that comes to mind for me is that principle of our neighbour. Who is my neighbour? And our responsibility with regard to that at this time. And so with that regard, in that regard, I think, you know, as you are saying, you know, who is my neighbour? Who am I? Who have I got a responsibility to or and a need to care for and to show and to love? at this time and so I think along those lines we would be coming to a uh, coming to a place of recognizing well you know out of my responsibility of love for neighbor and my responsibility to others should I or should I not be taking up the opportunity of being vaccinated so that um, I'm paying kind of um, consideration to the care and the, and the welfare of those around me I think that's an important principle and I think, um, and building on that, I think we also need to be thinking about principles such as the common good. Uh, it connects very nicely with that whole idea of, of neighbour, that uh, out of respect and out of valuing the common good, uh, it would be um, worth and beneficial of being able to pursue a vaccine or, or not, or, and uh, taking it forward. And also a common grace as well, uh, recognising that in others and a common grace amongst us. Uh, that uh, that needs to be respected and up, upheld. And so I think those are some of the key kind of theme, themes that I would be throwing into the mix of what is a, a particularly pertinent issue for us at this time, where perhaps there aren't any immediate uh, clear answers to the questions that we're facing, but they're questions that we need to engage with nonetheless in order to make a, a way forward. Matt, this has been so helpful. Um, thank you so much for your time. And, and I hope I hope um, and, and dare I say, I pray that we'll be able to meet together again and discuss perhaps the next development in this in this story, um, whether it's for good or for ill. And then as we enter into 2021 and uh, and think about some kind of return to normality, whenever that is, um, again, how we should be approaching these things from a Christian perspective. So um, thank you, Matt. And to all of you uh, listening uh, or watching, hope that you found this helpful. If you have questions, do please put them in the comments uh, below, you'll find lots of other Carecasts, including the whole of the New Normal series on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and on our YouTube channel as well, Care.org UK. Care for what you believe is the name of the YouTube channel, and I would encourage you to subscribe to that. If you're watching on YouTube and you're not a subscriber, subscribe, and that way you'll be able to benefit from lots more content just like this. So until the next time, thank you very much. You've been listening to The Carecast. Remember to subscribe to get the latest episodes and find out more about the work of care on care.org.uk. Care. For what you believe.